outside the box of religious obligation lies a road less travelled into the heart of the Father's affection. Slinging freedom all over the place, this is the God Well, I am sure having fun with this puppy around coming into the holidays. Mm. What is Mandy's relationship with your Christmas tree? I have to know. Um, there is nothing on our Christmas tree below her reach. Oh. <laughs> That's your question. There was stuff on the tree, but it's come off. And now she gets under there to get away from Sarah, and Sarah has to go dig her out from under the tree. I just, it's been comical. Yeah, she's been, she's had a comical time with our tree, for sure. Mm. But she's also learning how to get along with the big dog, Zoe. I, okay. I love watching that interplay because for a while, like Zoe's not interested at all, but the little one just totally enthralled with the big dog. Just, oh man, what is this thing? And I love it. Now Zoe's more warming up. I would just out after lunch, going to play with the Mandy a little bit. Got something out to play with Mandy and Zoe just comes right in and takes it from me and takes Mandy and off they go to play together. I'm like, oh, that's awesome. How rude. I, I haven't <laughs> figured out if the big dog likes playing with Mandy that much or if she doesn't want me playing with Mandy. I haven't figured out what it is yet. But it's, the whole interplay is just fascinating. Knowing that Zoe could kill this little puppy with a bite, even when it bites her in the face or does whatever. She's got this, her head's bigger than the puppy, right? Yeah. And yet she'll sit there and they gnaw on each other and they play. And, and if she bites her, if the little dog bites the big dog, the big dog will just put her paws across her and just pin her down to the floor. And just hold her. And the other one's so happy, just so happy to be with Zoe. It's hilarious. <laughs> it makes the holiday special to have a little puppy in the house. Mm. And uh, yeah, we're missing Abby, but we still got pup. So that's all yeah. fun here. How about you guys? Had some surgery and... Yeah, my wife had some carpal tunnel surgery, and that went really well, which is excellent. Cool. It's been a huge blessing, and she she's just super active. She loves coming rock climbing with me, or you know, doing a variety of outdoor activities with me, and and so to be able to do that again, I, I think she's really excited about that because she hasn't been able to for a while. And basically, since L was born, she started to have some symptoms. So that was. Four years ago, L, my oldest daughter, turned four yesterday, which is crazy to think about. It'll soon be 18, and you'll be sitting here going, that's really crazy to think about. <laughs> well, I mean, even just when you and I, like, we were exploring some different ideas, and we, I mean, thinking back four years ago and where my life was and the conversations that we were having versus now, four years later, having two daughters, being up in Sheridan, I mean, it's been interesting to reminisce just on what's been going on over the last three, four years. Yeah. I actually made a wrong turn off the freeway last week when I was going to play golf with a friend, mm -hmm. <laughs> ended up in our old neighborhood out in Oxnard by mistake. Just totally. Really? Yeah. And I, I mean, it was crazy the way I got there. There was some really strange responses. Sarah and I moved to Oxnard in 2000, I think fall of no fall of 1999. All alone, didn't know a soul in the area, and I, I, I had a weird, a weird feeling about it. I didn't know how to process the feeling. It just felt like, wow, we did that, and we were here, and and then all that God's done since. All the yeah. Mm -hmm. So I mean, I had a like a twenty three year mashup, but yeah, it was a uh, yeah. I was I was moved by how God has led and guided us, and all that He's brought us through in those twenty three years. That's wild that. 
even just the the opportunity to be back there and to process that to to encounter that those landmarks that we don't even think about until all of a sudden they're back on our radar and it draws us into that space of reflection contemplation it's like oh man that i wasn't expecting that but it's a gift it was a gift and very tender and almost like maybe god <laughs> blinded me to my exit. I, I think maybe God had a hand in my the fact that I was there on that morning having that kind of process because I'm in an interesting time in my life in, in a number of ways, and I'm not usually like that coming to the end of the year and the beginning of a new one, mm -hmm. but I am this year. I Definitely some stuff's going on in my heart that's new and unique and different. We haven't been able to talk about a lot here, and I'm trying to hold it off till after the first of the year because we're going to take a hiatus. This is our last show of the year, and we're only going to skip yeah. one this year, the way things work out. But uh, this is our last show of the year. I'm Wayne Jacobson. And I'm Kyle Rice. And we want to welcome you and thank those of you that have been with us uh, throughout the year and explored some of the things we've explored. We're going to have a chance to talk about that maybe in a minute. Yeah. How are you feeling coming up on a new year? Uh, I have to circle back to a word that you used just uh, in a conversation that you and I were having a little while ago about it being refreshing. I I think for Jess and I, we've really been exploring and trying to figure out, all right, Father, what what does it look like for our lives? How do you want us to live out in the world? And, and there's over the last 11 years, uh, 12 years that Jess and I have been together, there's been a lot of, a lot of different unfoldings of that. Mm. This year, it's been really I was going into the summer thinking that I was going to still be doing some counseling, still be in the school world, you know, the uh, K-12 world. Then now, as we move into the end of the year, Jess and I are living in a completely different city. I'm doing a completely different job than I thought I would be doing. And God has such a, it's been such a fulfillment to the prayers that Jess and I have been holding before him for the last 12 years on, okay, Father, what does it look like for for us to live as a couple in a wholehearted space? And now that's that's even expanded because now it's a, what does it look like for us as a family to live in a wholehearted space? Because that also includes our two daughters. And there's been a lot of conversation about what's going to be a good fit for them and what what's going to work well for them. And I went to, I just, or I went to Eliana's, our oldest, I went to her four-year-old music co uh, concert thing that they did for their preschool. And there was already four or five friends that she had really developed that she's really enjoying. And they were, we've gotten to know their parents really well. And there's been a really cool community that's been starting to build there. And it was wild to look at that and see that and that the fact that we've only been there for three and a half months. And it just just his hand very much feels over over our time in Sheridan, it feels very much like a refreshing of the soul because mm -hmm. it's been a, a refreshing space for me. And it's been an incredibly refreshing space for Jess, even though there's been a lot of movement, a lot of upheaval. You know, we have moved twice since we've been up there. So that's that's never fun. And yet just the settling in both of our hearts. I mean, I'm back home at my family's house for like 12 days and it's been great to come back and see them, but it also, there's the anticipation of going back to Sheridan as well and being able to enjoy the community that we have there. So yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting year. There's been, I would have never been able to tell you in December of 2022 
that we would be where we're sitting in December 2023. Would have no, no idea that that was going to be a reality. That you'd be back in your parents' basement, as we talked on this last podcast. <laughs> <laughs> not quite, not quite. What I, was I was hoping that would never become a reality again, but you know, you never know what's going to happen. It's only a 12-day visit. You can handle that. Yeah, exactly. For both of us, when I think back to 23 years ago, when the place Sarah and I lived in Oxnard, and you mm. think back to a year ago, and where you were yeah. versus where you are. I I wrote this sentence down a few few weeks ago, and just, I, I wasn't going to use it as the best thing I heard this week since I wrote it, so it's kind of weird to quote myself. But I think it underscores the things that I, I think we miss about God's work and life. Like even it comes this time of year and everybody's praying about, okay, God, what's next? And went to a lot of prayer services like that when I was mm. part of that kind of thing and tried to figure out what the strategic obedience was. And I guess I heard strategic obedience a lot in the whole new apostolic reformation uh, expose yeah. thing that I listened to. So I heard that a lot. And in the midst that I wrote this, I wrote strategic obedience is nothing more than human wisdom and effort applied to our perception of God's good, for which our reasoning is usually flawed. All mm -hmm. obedience is specific, not strategic. And I, I think that's, if you want to talk about the big lessons of my whole life, it would be that. I've had so many things I thought I could see and aimed for and went after that amounted to nothing. And the things in my life that God really invited me into were not on my radar screen until they were, <laughs> until I was in the middle of something going, huh, I didn't think I would get here, but here's where mm -hmm. I am. And I, I try to help people explore that in their, in their own journey to just say, you know, saying, well, I don't know what God wants me to do here. I don't know the long range of what I should do about this or that. And I usually just say, you know what? I think God's will unfolds rather than mm -hmm. God gives us the strategic map and then asks us to follow the map. He just says, follow me. And you make a decision here that exposes something else. I mean, less than a year ago, you were even considering going international for a season yeah. with your family. So it's interesting the ways we we explore stuff, and I, I think it's great considering all those options, but in the end, it's really a matter of God nudging us. I mean, Sarah and I have moved mm -hmm. twice since we were in Oxnard. Yeah. No, three times. Four times if you want to count the apartments. So we moved four times since then. So the idea that we have this strategic, this is where God wants us to live and be, mm. you know that for the short term. That's really all you know it for. You don't really know that that's ultimately what God has in mind or that that won't change 20 more times in your life. And I love that. I love not having to pray strategically, like I've got to figure this out. And instead, specifically, which is, God, what are you giving me today? What do you want me to know? Mm -hmm. How do you want me to live? And there's always, there's seemingly always wisdom for that. Inside today, there's wisdom. Inside those long-range kinds of things, I have no idea. And I think when I think of strategy, I think of my own effort. I think of, especially in, you know, hearing the apostolic reformation and knowing some of the prayer sessions that I've been in where we're praying for the strategic move of this or that or over this country or, you know, whatever it might be. Honestly, I, I kind of chuckle now at myself because it's like, I, I could presume that I could potentially wrap my mind around God's strategy, let alone for my own life versus a city or a nation or <laughs> the world, you know, and I, I just chuckle at that now because yeah. I'm like, there's no way. 
like he's got so many moving pieces and so many things that he is exploring and unpacking and unveiling, drawing people into, nudging people into, let alone for myself. And so I love the fact that I can enjoy the unfolding. I can explore the nudges. I can hold ideas in my hand, but I don't have to come up with a quote unquote strategy that his view, his, uh, his, his understanding, his wisdom can take care of all that. I don't have to manufacture that. I don't have to spend hours of energy and anxiety and stress to try to unfold this. I can just enjoy the day. And that's much more restful, much more enjoyable. Yeah, not have to force the outcome I thought of or slash prophesied or last felt like God promised me, you know, all those things. Now we've got yeah. to force into existence something that's not coming into existence because God had another plan all along and we kind of just missed it coming in. And I think it I think it's a wonderful place of humility and trust to just let mm -hmm. life unfold. And that God will give us wisdom as we continue to live with him through our life, which is I mean, what Jesus wants us to do is to walk with him. Follow me. Just, just go with yeah. me. And instead, we almost like, okay, what does that mean? And how do I going to get? The, and where do I pull the resources together? And how do I make this happen? And, and then when it doesn't happen, we go, okay, what did I do wrong? What did God do wrong? All that good stuff. And it's just, it's exhausting. It honestly made me think of this. We were, I was with my family, and we were watching a televised church service as a family, and. I was listening to the person that was speaking and they really were, I mean, really diving into we're in the end days, like we're in the end days of the end days and all these different prophecies. And I was just sitting there and I was like, first of all, how much work have you done trying to figure out what, how, how ancient prophecies were being projected on today's world and today's circumstances and, you know, how much preparation, how much stress, how much research did, did, did you put into this? And as I'm listening, I'm like, man, that that's a theatrical liberty. That's a theatrical liberty that like you're taking some major liberties with, with some of these ideas and some of these words that are coming out of scripture because there was some angst about what is happening in today's world. There's an angst about the wars and the rumors of wars. And there's an angst about some of the political stuff that's happening in the United States. There's some angst about what's going on in Russia. I mean, when you're, when you're quoting Fox news, in your sermons, it starts to get a little intriguing to me. I'm like, wait a minute, hold on. Like any news, like any mainstream news source. I'm like, okay, intriguing. And yet it was not settled at all looking towards the future and looking towards what might be happening and whether or not there's an apocalypse coming or a rapture coming. And I don't know, what are your thoughts about all of that as, as we're sitting in these times? In terms of my life, Jesus talked about, you know, you don't have to discern the weather, but you don't have to discern the times. Yeah. I think we're in those, one of those periods where the world could go quickly toward an end point. It really could. Absolutely. Yeah. We've got three major conflicts going on that could become world wars, the China thing, yeah. the Mideast thing, the Ukraine, Europe thing. So yep. we've got three possible things. It could just, somebody makes a few stupid choices and suddenly we're in a world war again. Yeah. And look at the natural catastrophes going on. And there's just a lot going on that says this could be that. I think we'd be silly mm -hmm. to say it isn't that. I think we'd also be yeah. silly to put a date on it and say, we won't make it another three years and juice will be here. We don't know that either. 
But I, I live with a certain anticipation that maybe this is, uh, there's something rising in my heart that says maybe this is and mm. toward the end of time. And maybe, as Paul said in Romans, there's the final brushings God does to bring salvation to fulfillment. Mm. Maybe that's going on in our day. I'd, I'd be excited if that were true. Not looking for it in the way I would have looked at it in times past. In fact, I'll talk more yeah. about that, I think, in the coming years. It's one of the projects I'm going to get on here after we get to this season of rest and refreshing with family. I guess my question to you would be, as we're talking about reflecting over the year and strategy and being in the day, like I agree with you. There's a lot of potential that we may be on that precipice in, in our era. But does it change the way that you walk in the world? Does it change the way that you you position yourself or the way that you explore things? Does it change your life if we, the way that you're living life, if we are in the end days of days? If that's the reality, does it change it? Uh, Eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) No, I don't know that it changes the decisions I make about certain things, like what I'm having for dinner or who we're going to get with this weekend or whatever. I think what it changes is there's there's an exalting anticipation in my heart, which is fun to live with. Mm. And there's also a sense of, I don't want to say urgency. That had been the old Wayne time past and all that stuff about the end of the age. But there's a sense of... A focus. Mm. I really want to follow. I really want to live close right now, um, regardless of whether this is the end of the age or not. I do want I like to live that. close. Okay. Yeah. And I sense that tenderness of God reaching out to that. And there's some things that he's, I know we keep hinting at this on this podcast. It's so cool. <laughs> You're torturing our audience. Wayne. I don't want to get into it and then have a new year start. So we'll probably talk about it in the end of the year, but a new year, but God's brought something is deepening something in my heart that I'm really thrilled about, whether it's the end of the age or not. There's that anticipation as well. well. A few emails before we get going here, and we're already yeah. 20 minutes in, and we're just going to get going. So how about that? <laughs> Got this from JP in Japan. Says, love the podcast and super thankful for the encouragement to live loved and not numbing the yuck meter. That's like slinging freedom all over the place. If that's what people get from this podcast, the encouragement to live loved and to keep that yuck meter front and center and trust it when something seems yucky instead of just pushing through it to do something that's going to make not a lot of sense that's worth doing i tell you i had that i had that little recalibration last night sarah and i were reading psalm 73 one of my favorite where david's sitting there grousing about all that's going on in the world and the wealthy get this and they do that and things you know, and at surely in vain, he said, how I kept my heart pure. In fact, at one point, he talks about the wicked who have it made, who have nothing to worry about, not a care in the whole world, pretentious with arrogance. They wear the latest fashions in violence, pampered and overfed, decked out in silk bows of silliness. They jeer using words to kill. They bully their way with words. They're full of hot air, loud mouths disturbing the peace. People actually listen to them. Can you believe it? Like thirsty puppies, they lap up their words. <laughs> so the <laughs> psalmist is writing this going, it's just not fair. And then he comes into the sanctuary of God, and mm. everything has changed. I mean, the perspective of I'm jealous, I'm angry, I wish I could have what they have. And then in the presence of God, he realized all my desires are in him, and it's not in any of those things that people crave or the world system runs on and, you know, arrogance and mockery. And I, I just, as we read that last night, I went, this is so refreshing just to 
Mm. And I had something this morning. I'm just just thinking about some things that God's stirring mm. in my heart and had some moments with him that completely turned the table, just completely turned it mm. in half a second. And I went, yeah, yeah, yeah. I need to check in that sanctuary much more often, which for me now is mm. not obviously a building to run to. It's the heart where he lives. And when you check in there, things get pretty good again. This from Richard in Florida. He said about the canceled Israel trip. Yep, we were going to Israel with 55 people here in January, February. We're not because of the situation over there. The tour company has suspended our trip. So we may go later. He said, like you, I'm saddened at the horrific consequences of the evil that seems to be so prevalent in our world. And especially in the Middle East, it's difficult to understand the why of our sovereign Lord allowing lives to be devastated like those in both Israel and Palestine. Is he unable to stop the carnage or is he just doesn't care? Perhaps this might be a good time for you to process and offer us an explanation on the podcast. Just a thought. And I think we've talked a lot about this. Maybe Richard's new to the podcast, whatever, that... I don't believe God allows these things. I don't believe this is a violation of God's sovereign power to do anything in the world. Humanity is playing out its sin in darkness in the world. And what God wants us to know is when that plays out, people get hurt. Innocent people get hurt. Darkness rules the planet. And unless people of goodwill and good heart speak up and do what they do, and not necessarily in Israel, but in our lives here, you know, there's a lot of violence yeah. that's just done by gossip and anger and jealousy and and we're coming up on Christmas where people are going to, some families are really good. You go hang out with your family and it's just a joy to be. And the other families are just filled with bitterness and animosity and jealousy and competition and gossip. And th those are absolutely no fun. It not only happens between states, it happens in systems and people and just, yeah. And so I, I don't, I don't feel like God's responsible. I don't think God allows what's going on in Israel. I think Humanity does those things to each other, and God's the redemptive influence in them. God's trying to redeem people who are calling out to him in the darkness, both Palestinians and Jewish people. But this is what we do, humanity. This is why we say, yeah. even so, Lord Jesus, come quickly, because this planet is hurting an awful lot of people. Yeah. The few of us, yeah, we live in the U.S., and we live in abundance, and we live with some things, but that's not the norm around the world. We had some things in Kenya come up this week, need some help again for some other stuff. And, mm. you know, it's just, it, it's a good reminder that we live in a time of affluence, but certainly don't put that on God, nor his inability to redeem. His redemption is just bigger than stopping the suffering today. Yeah. It's the redemption of the whole planet to himself. And this from a mom, she has some kids and a husband who've kind of walked away from Jesus, he thinks, and maybe they have, I don't know, but she wrote me and she was all in panic. What do I do? How do I, what do I say? What do I, mm. and I kind of just encourage her, you know, let, let them have their journey. Just be a friend, be alongside, support, ask, be inquisitive. Don't manipulate the journey. Don't manipulate the outcome. And she wrote back, I didn't even actually think this would be a problem for me. I thought I was pretty generous when it came to accepting other people's journeys with God. But once it hit in my own home, I had no clue. I really did live in compliance with religious expectations rather than in true communion with my family and the love and peace of Christ. The good news is that it's never too late. I still have questions and I will have dark days that I don't understand what the heck God is up to. And every time I think I've made progress toward a better understanding, I hit another challenge. But I'm okay with that. Just like Jake, it's referring to the So You Don't Want to Go to Church, Any book, Church mm -hmm. Anymore book, pain and suffering will never be easy in this life, but God is bigger than this life. 
And I love that. I love the self-awareness of that. I love that she could take a little bit of a, maybe you're putting too much pressure on these, you know, and I love this thing. Hey, it was okay when it was out there. I'm okay with other people's journeys, but then it got close to home. And now I've got to get people because I don't, I'm worried about them being saved and going to hell and all the freaky stuff religious makes us neurotic about. And I love that she could so quickly just relax into and trusting people with their journeys is really to mm. entrust them to God. It's not trying yes. to entrust them to us. I've got to fix this, I, whether it's our kids. And maybe this is a good reminder for the holidays coming up. You're going to be with people and maybe your kids and they're, maybe they're making bad choices, your adult children. You're trying to get them to make better choices and you'll ruin the whole holiday if you just can't celebrate their journey wherever they are on that journey. And trusting that God is inside them, loves them more than you do, and knows what they need. Mm to honor their own journey and their own discoveries and come to the knowledge of himself that he wants to reveal in them. And from that place of peace, it's so much easier to relate to people than when you've got to manipulate the outcome. Oh, it's interesting because I, I was wrestling with some things that a, a client was going through and just really had to come back to, okay, what is the piece that I have taught you how to live out of? What is the piece that I'm still winning you into in regards to that and in regards to the process that I have for you? And do you trust me? Do you trust me with my clients? Do you trust the journey that I'm taking them through and that, that you're a, yes, are you a part of that? Absolutely. But you are by no means the power behind that. You are not the change agent there. You are you are a a honored bystander that gets to be a little bit of a part of the conversation. Uh, and man, it's 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 easy though. It's easy to when it's people that you care about. It's easy to try to pick that up, to try to take over that role, or to try to manufacture healing or restoration or redemption versus trusting the one who authored it to begin with. And to think I'm the determining factor. Yes. It's just, once, once you slide into that mind meld, that, that, that mindset, it will wear you out. Oh my gosh. Yes. I wrote someone this week that has, I, I've watched them over the last number of years offer their lives in love to someone close to them, a spouse, and watch that been rejected. And so mm. at the end of it, they're kind of like, well, maybe I should have, maybe I should have. And I said, you know what? If this, if this turned out for her redemption, you wouldn't be having these questions. You'd be going, what a great mm. story. Is it a bad story because she hasn't responded to those things yet? Mm. Or if she never does? And I love that. I love the idea that, you know, the sacrifice and the loving is still real and worthy. I mean, look at look at what Jesus went through for all of us. Our yeah. response, whether we accept that or not, accept him or not, doesn't change the power of the gift. And I think mm. we need to see that with our loving people. I, I can love people, but I'm not the one that determines the outcome. I can't make people do or even manipulate people into a response that's going to be valuable to them at all. If it doesn't come from their mm. own heart, doesn't come from within. And yeah. there's a freedom then to love with hands off. I'm here as a friend. I'm here. If you want my wisdom, I'll give it to you. But whether you take it or not, that's on you. That's between mm -hmm. you and God, not me. Well, being the last podcast of the year, Kyle, and now we've taken up most of our time uh, with all the other <laughs> things we talked about getting into this. Thought it'd be fun maybe to look back over the last year and say, do it. We've yeah. never done this on, on the God Journey, actually. Look back and go, what have been the podcast content? I don't mean the name of the mm -hmm. podcast, just the content that 
You look back on this year saying, this is most resonated with me. Maybe we could both explore that. What, what did this year made some change in your life? Oh, man. How do I pick one? Because like the, especially the, the aspirations to expectations, I feel like that has, that is still very much ongoing for mm-hmm. me as I am, as you know, as Jess and I are living out these things and as we're exploring this new world and creating this new community, I, I really feel like that for us, that's been a big deal in regards to our hopes, our dreams, the things that we're holding before God. And have those, are those remaining in the space of aspiration or have they moved into a place of expectation that then if they don't become a reality, that God isn't meeting us or that God is missing us or that for whatever reason we've offended him or, you know, whatever explanation we come up with uh, that twists his character and his heart and his reality. I think that's been a big deal for us. And I, that one and our conversation about sin are probably the two that are just lingering that are just that it's it were they were these like really cool like encounters it's like god flipped the mirror for like a millisecond it's like here here's a little look it's like okay like i feel like i caught a sliver of that and Mm. yet the invitation is still unfolding and the reality of it is still unfolding and what is that going to look like as as jess and i continue to move in that i would say those two especially have been very resonant to me as as Jess and I have been walking out over the last few days, a few months for sure. What about you? Yeah, I live in the middle of the the thing about how God views sin as we still deal with Sarah's trauma and some of the fallout from it and some of her yeah. healing that goes on with it. There's an incredible patience that's just natural when you realize what sin is, that sin is not something mm-hmm. we do volitionally. That's how we've always set it up. That sin is something that happens to us. We, we grow up in a world dominated by the self-preferring fear, threat. Whether we've had trauma or not, we all have done things that mm. Scripture clearly says are sin. Yeah. And yet we, we try to struggle against them. We have some success. We have a lot of failure. I love that whole thing about God viewing sin like I view Sarah's trauma. And it's, mm. it's a whole different way to hold people and love people forbear with their weaknesses, just they don't have the capacity right there. And that that's back to the anticipation thing or yeah. aspiration versus capacity. Those are two things that, I mean, we, we talked about some of them later in the year, but they're still mm-hmm. very current. I would, in fact, I would love to explore more how this God views sin because as Sarah yeah. and I are reading through Romans again recently and some other scriptures, I'm going, okay, I see this everywhere, that God mm. really flipped the switch at the cross, that there really was a whole different way that we could understand our sin with God that isn't yeah. just our responsibility and we're not obedient enough and I need to try harder. And I've already known some of those things were not workable when the whole living love thing came and saw how much God changes in my heart just by living loved rather than human mm-hmm. effort. But this has even flipped it further. I, I love that God views sin differently than I was taught he views it. I was going to say, and I still want to keep exploring that. I think for me, it too, it also has been really intriguing. You know, we, we talked yesterday about the, or last week about the lens versus the mirrors. I really think that for me, that's been a, a conversation about sin and the way that I perceive my own sin versus the way that his heart may see it. And that, that has been disruptive to me 
Good. Because it, it's like, oh man, like if if that's how he sees it, and that like this whole thing that I've held myself to, my, me being my own judge in a lot of regards, and then in turn, the way that I'm treating my heart is then how I'm treating the hearts of those that I love. Yep. You know, it's like, man, this is, oof. Oh, let your unfolding kingdom be done here because it needs to, it needs to be. <laughs> I wish we'd taught this at our youngest days in the faith. We would have a different view of God's in our sin with us to walk us out of it instead of sin yeah. is the thing we've got to hide from God, even behind repentance and confession. So I can be with God and pretend I don't struggle. Mm. Instead of, no, be with God in the struggle. Like God's right here. And, and I'm... Dealing with this thing from whatever has happened to me, it doesn't have to be trauma. It's just we grew up in a world estranged from the God who created us. That's that's the world we grew up in. And then we got religion yeah. thrown on top of that. So that was more Stockholm Syndrome. Try hard to keep the mean tyrant happy, and that wasn't helpful. And now to learn to live love, then God goes, you know, I know these things. I know what you're doing is because you don't know that you're loved and you don't know that you mm -hmm. can trust me. And I want to keep inviting you into that. So I do hope we keep exploring that more. Um, some of the stuff we did on the God-shaped life, that stuff still lives mm -hmm. with me. Just the untangling of the cords, the love, rest, and play, the how obedience just flows out of a relationship instead of obedience is the thing I do to try and gain the relationship. Those things have continued to be important. And then the podcast we did with I did with Tracy about the redemption story. I've been mm -hmm. living in it all year. I've been living it for the last two years with Sarah almost now. And I love that redemptive story. It helps me mm -hmm. see my own redemptive story better, being inside Sarah's. And then Tracy talking about her redemption story. And then when I'm with people, even people who don't know Jesus— I know there's a redemptive story going on there. They're not clued into. So how does my comments, questions, I don't mean preaching at them. I just mean, how does my love for them help put them in touch with their redemption story? What Jesus is doing in them, even if they're still completely unaware of it. And that's made every human encounter more fun. It's not, how do I slip the gospel in here? It's how is yeah. Jesus already slipping it in? And I can help them see it and discover it. So that's been fun too. Yeah, I've really, the concept of him untangling and the different versions of that, right? We talked about the Christmas tree or the Christmas lights. And then we also talked about the the real fine gold chain and him untangling that. And man, I use that illustration all the time now. I mean, it, it has become part of my regular lexicon of ideas mm -hmm. that, I mean, in almost every conversation with, with a client, especially a new client, that is that is something that's coming up in the dialogue of, of just the, the journey of allowing that to be untangled and the process of that where there's really good, there's really good things. There's, there's an understanding of either my strengths or father's heart that very much is there. But it got tangled up with this distorted, twisted thing that the enemy was trying to take my heart out with or or to cause me to doubt Father's heart. And and just the beauty of that that sorting of where it's getting pulled loose. And as, as it gets pulled loose, I'm able to breathe a little bit more. I'm able to take in a little bit more. I'm able to experience a little bit more because it's not strangled and tight and grasping it with all that I have. And that has just been, man, that has been a 
yeah, it's it's altered my language lexicon. Yeah. Uh, it's now a state. It's now a mainstay versus just a brief idea. You can feel it in your heart too, can't you? You you can yeah. feel the moment when you feel all stressed out over something or a way you're thinking or feeling or whatever, and then the Holy Spirit begins to loosen that that mm -hmm. thing about breathing or just exhale. There is a sense that even though it's not resolved yet, mm -hmm. the the tension is gone. And now it's just yes. a matter of pulling the threads and to complete the work that God's begun. I, those things have really impacted not only my life, they do. They impact, uh, like you said, my conversations with other people. Those things do too. And probably the one from the last year that's most come back up now is the one about we did last winter time. I had that moment where God was saying, now you're ready to hold some of my pain. God's saying, I've mm. been, I've known rejection of people I love because of lies about me, that God knew that space that was going on, had gone on for me. And I felt freshly invited back into that space um, mm. in the last month or so. Part of mm -hmm. it's that prayer thing that I, I do on every couple of Wednesdays with a group of folks from all over the world have been holding the world before God in prayer. And it's been, it's been life-changing. The whole process of that has been life-changing, but this one about God's agony. And I, I mean, shortly after that happened, Sarah and I bought a home, we remodeled the home, we went on a trip, and I, I felt like I got totally distracted from that. Whatever, mm. whatever was beginning there, can I, can I hold yeah. pain with God? And then part of this prayer group, we were talking to him the other day, and I felt like God said, the answers you seek are inside my agony, mm. which come, come there. And then last week, I was spending some time there, and honestly— I've not had a supernatural experience like the one I had for about 30 minutes that just, mm. I saw stuff. I saw stuff I've never seen before as I was, as God was inviting me into his agony, his grief over the world. Mm. And to see God grieving the world instead of this potentate on his throne looking down, you piece of scum, why don't you guys get your act together? I Man, to see every pain and Palestine and Gaza and Israel and Ukraine and Russia and that th these things hurt our father. There's a grief inside of God that he, the fellowship of his sufferings is not just he's going to fellowship with ours. It's somehow inviting yeah. us to his. And I got distracted from that. <laughs> so then as God's invited me back to it, I'm, I'm thinking of the, the prayers in Gethsemane where Jesus says, could you not watch with me even an hour? He invited the boys into that, and they couldn't do it. Yeah. And Luke says because they were so overcome with grief, they were sleepy, which mm. I'm interesting. I say, well, there was a lot of grief in the last year for sure. Uh, mm. Maybe that's why I was sleepy, but I, I don't want And I feel like Jesus is coming around saying, will you watch with me? Will, will you hold mm. the world and watch with me and hold my agony alongside my joy? Because there's not... I tell you, this agony with God thing is not unglorious. It's not dark and horrible and emotionally draining. It's not that. It's just simply being alongside him and viewing the world, gazing with him at what he sees in the world and feeling his heartbeat and not blame, not anger, pain, pain mm. inside of God for his broken creation. And I tell you, I, I'll talk more about it in the coming year because there's really an invitation by God to say, come and learn here. And I, it's so easy to get distracted from. I feel like, man, I don't want to mm. miss this. The boys missed it. Whatever, for whatever reason, Jesus wanted John and Peter 
and James to be with him that night in the garden, they missed it. And he missed it. I mean, it wasn't just for them, it was for him. So he had to weather that alone. And I, I mean, we'll talk more about it because I think there's something so critical here for us to learn, particularly, and I'm going to be honest about this. I don't think this is for people who are just learning to live loved. I I really, (laughs) I think this is kind of once you learn to live loved and you're growing in that trust so that now you can enter into this, there's some Mm -hmm. real value to it. But if you're not even though you're loved and you're not even secure in that to start there, like, oh, I'm going to go hold pain with Jesus in Gethsemane, (laughs) run, 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 run. This isn't for you. This isn't for that kind of person. But as you get more confident in his love, and then, because I ask, I mean, part of asking God is where where do I touch base with your agony? Because I don't want to conjure it up. I'm not going to sit here yeah. in my study and like kind of work up this. And I had a guy in college who used to do that. He couldn't pray without crying. He had to conjure up these tears and agony. And it wasn't for the same reason as this, but still, I, there's my yuck meter won't let me go that way. <laughs> because the times I've experienced it, God's brought it to me. I haven't gone and sought it. Mm. But when I feel it rising, I sense it coming. It's so easy to get busy, to get distracted, to run off and do something mm. else. Because it's like, I don't know what's down that rabbit hole yet. And <laughs> But boy, this experience last week, and maybe I'll talk about it more at the first of the year, but yeah, Man, I, w- I was inside God's glory and God's pain, and I didn't get to the end of it. I didn't get to where that was supposed to end. Yeah, It was a taste. It was a taste of something. Mm. And uh, it's made my heart hungry to say, okay, God, I'm, I'm really saying to you, yes, I want, I want more of that if that's what you have for me. I'm not going to run from mm. it. I'm not going to get distracted. And so I'm learning that. And I'm part of what the new year coming, part of it is just kind of like, there's more in there. And I can't wait to find out what it is. And one of the things I feel like God has said is, there is no vengeance in my agony. Mm-hmm. And that, that has been, uh, that's been a paradigm shifter for me. Because <laughs> to me, anger in God and sin, I mean, it's all kind of been in there. To, th- yeah. to think there's no vengeance in God for what and that, that kind of puts a lot of psalms and you have to really okay how do we interpret scripture then mm-hmm. it seems like God's very vengeful at times but now I, I you look at Jesus he wasn't vengeful at all even for the Pharisees even yeah. for the most the people doing him damage there was no vengeance there and if he was the exact representation of God's nature now we have a very different way to view how God processes his pain mm. and it gives me a way to deal with mine too because if there's no vengeance in God's grief then there can't be vengeance in mine for the people who cause it mm. and that's a journey that I'm, I'm not at the end of that journey I don't even know that I've taken the first step off the trailhead, but I'm standing in a trailhead <laughs> looking down there going, I'm fascinated. <laughs> so Jesus, yeah. draw me into that. And if you've got some others to stand with me in that, I, it'd be awesome to have not do that journey alone. It has got me intrigued as the year comes around. Well, we're at the end of it. We are. Thank you, brother, for another good year. It's been a joy to uh, walk this journey with you and the changes in your life, uh, the situations in mine. It's been joyous. And i Wish your family the greatest of holiday weeks here and to enjoy your family. And for all of our listeners, man, whether or not your life is in a comfortable place right now, and it may not be, this may not seem like a refreshing season to you. I pray God's refreshing would still find you, even in the midst of your hurt and your pain. 
and give you joy and rest in this season. Thank you for traveling with us today on The God Journey. You can join this conversation by visiting thegodjourney.com. 